online today and so uh, but I want to get into the message over the last couple of weeks we've been sharing about a series called let's go and uh, I believe that it's an important uh, time for us as a church coming into the fall but I also know that just in my heart as I've been praying over the last few months about this message and the Lord really just began to stir this up in me and so over the last couple of weeks we've been talking about really going into our world and being the gospel uh, you know and, and so I've been reading to you out of uh, Matthew's account of what we would call the Great Commission. But uh, here in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, you know, the Bible says that we are to go and to preach the gospel to all people. And, you know, and sometimes I know, and I've shared this over the last couple weeks, is that we can actually have the idea, well, pastor, I'm not a preacher. That's not what I do. But the truth is, is that we do all preach. The truth is, is that we all share the gospel. We share Jesus to, to people around us. And the word preach actually means just to proclaim or to make known. And so we're making Jesus known because people know that we follow Christ and, and they connect us with him. And so we may be the closest Jesus that some people ever get to know. And so we want to be aware of that and mindful of that as we're going through our day-to-day life is that people are looking at us to see who Jesus is. And so that's part of the heart of this uh, series. And so I've been sharing with you and encouraging you that we want to go into the world and not just preach it. We want to go into the world and be the gospel to all these people that are around us. And so over the last couple of weeks, I'll give you a quick uh, review of what we've been discussing, but in week one, I encouraged you and I challenged you. Each week, I've been giving you a challenge uh, to encourage you to be active in your faith. That's really what this is all about. Uh, Week one, we talked about that uh, Jesus and even what God has done in our life is not a secret to be uh, hidden away, but it's actually something meant to be public. It's something that we're meant to live out and live out loud so that those around us. And so in week one, I encourage you to be vocal. Share your story. Share your testimony. Tell people what God has done in your life. Why? Because there's nothing more real than your own story. And it's a great thing that you can do to share that with people. And so we did that. And if you happen to not catch these, you can always jump on the archives and and catch those past messages. But in week two, I encourage you to be generous, to find ways to be a blessing to people. And we're not just wanting to be generous to be generous. We're wanting to be generous in the name of Jesus. Tell people why we're generous. Because we serve a generous God who is generous generous towards us and we just believe that we're acting like him when we're generous and and so I just believe it's a powerful thing and then last week I challenged you to be personal and really it was personal from the standpoint of pray with somebody personally Uh, if you happen to take any of these challenges we would love to hear your stories by the way and so you can grab one of our welcome cards here you can fill out a little bit of the story and um you know, it says welcome home right there on the seat in front of you. And, uh, but I would love, 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 love to hear the stories of how God used you, the things God stirred up in you to do. Uh, we had a, a student this week who actually, there was a, a young man in his class uh, that wasn't feeling well. And, and Ollie said, hey, I'll pray for him. And what a great example. I mean, here we have a young teenager. We'll share a photo with you of that. But uh, it, it's just an amazing moment where uh, one of our students had just saw the need and just stepped up and said, hey, well, I'll pray for him. And, you know, and that's who we're called to be as the church. We're not just to be Christians in name only, but we're to be Christians in action. And I believe that that's a powerful part. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, as I've said before, is that these aren't just challenges for this week. It's not just challenges for two weeks ago. This is the life that we're supposed to be living, actively living out our faith every day. And so I want to encourage you, even as you move forward, man, I hope that this message just gets down on the inside of you, stirs you up, motivates your faith to what? To be active, to be 
Jesus to those people around us, that we can go and be the gospel. Is that many times is that people see our actions and they don't really care what we have to say because our actions and what we say don't always line up. Well, we want to be people that our actions match the, the testimony that we have about Jesus. And so we want to be active. And so, you know, this week as we're talking, uh, I, I, you know, one of the things along the same line, and, and I want to just kind of, it's, it's kind of a funny example, but you know, one of the things that you may or may not know about me is that I'm a foodie. I, I, I mean, I love good food. I don't like bad food, but I love good food. And in case you're not sure what that means, it means I really enjoy food. I mean, like, not just kind of like I like to eat and, you know, uh, sometimes, I, like I'll say it this way, my vacation is planned many times around where I'm going to eat. Like what's around and what am I going to do? And so sometimes food can actually determine the, what I do in a day, you know, kind of thing. And so, and it's not just that food makes me happy. I mean, like sometimes food makes me like giddy. <laughs> like I get excited about food. I love eating food, you know. And so, you know, I I love good food, and there is something to be said along this line, and there's a saying that many of you will be familiar with, and the saying is that the proof is in the pudding. How many of you ever heard that saying before? The proof is in the pudding. You know, and I think the reason that I'm saying this is because I can tell you about how good something is, a restaurant. I can tell you how good, um, you know, some food was, a dish, or whatever. I can tell you, you know, whatever it may be in that realm but I can tell you about it. I can take pictures of it. But you don't know what, how good it actually is. Why? Because all you have is my account of it. And, and so I believe that, that, the, that the saying is, is that the proof is in the pudding. And I believe that that's true even in our walk with God, our testimony to those around us. Is that many times, is that we can say something... But we want to make sure that we're living up to what we're proclaiming as well. And so I believe that if we'll live this life out loud before God, but also before people, that we don't have to say it as loud if we show it consistently. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. That's not what it's about. But it is about living intentionally, living with a mindset that says, hey, people are watching, and I want to make sure that, that they're watching something that would honor God. And so we want to be consistent. And so, you know, a couple years ago, I, me and Dara had invited some friends over to our house for dinner. And uh, so we had dinner and everything was good. And, you know, Dara had made this uh, meal for us. And so it was a really good meal. And so after we were done and kind of cleaned up and everything, my friend made the comment to Dara. He says, man, you don't put your toe up in that. And I was like, what did you just say? And I had to laugh. And he began to tell me, he was like, oh, well, that's like the best compliment that I could give her. He's like, because that means like you put everything into that pot, you know. And, and I think that we should live that way. You know, if you follow uh, some different people and especially here, people in the church. You know, we have a lady every Tuesday, we have a staff meeting and we have a lady named Miss Linda and she makes us desserts every week and her desserts are crazy good and she posts pictures of them on Facebook. Now here's the thing, you can hear me t talk about it and I can tell you that she makes amazing desserts and, and you can see the pictures online. Sometimes it, she'll post about it like, hey, here's TDP's cake for tomorrow. This week it happened to be a carrot cake and uh, it was delicious. And, uh, you know, but, and I can tell you how good and how amazing. I can tell you, man, it's the best piece of cake I've ever eaten in my life. But the truth is, is that 
You've heard about it, but you don't have a firsthand experience. You know, somebody else, and, and I can tell you, when I first came here, everybody kept talking about Brian Derwin's gumbo. And it's like this world-famous gumbo that I kept hearing about, and I'm like, well, that's great, because I ain't never had any. You know, and sometimes, and, and by the way, he did live up, because I, I did get to eat some of his gumbo, which was crazy good. And uh, But sometimes I think that's how uh, we can do to people, is we tell them how good God is, But the thing is, is all they're doing is they're hearing the story, but they don't see it in our life so that our story and our life don't quite measure up. We want to make sure that our life and what we're proclaiming are the same thing. And so I believe that it's very important for us to do that. And so, you know, even in the last couple of weeks, I've been talking to you and sharing with you uh, about how do we do this. And and so, uh, you know, one of the things that that I know to be true and this is just facts. I mean, it's just human nature. Is that people may not care about what we say. You know, week one, I encourage you to be vocal. They may not care about your testimony. They may not even uh, care about what you post. You can post your scriptures on social media. You can do all these things. You can share all these uh, quotes and all these things on, on social media. They may completely ignore what you do on social media. They may not care that you say, I love Jesus, or post your favorite Bible verses or whatever. But one thing that they do deeply care about is this, and this is true for every single human being on the planet, is that people care about how you treat them. It matters how you treat them. And and I believe how we treat people can actually go and and actually open up their heart to what God wants to do in them. And, And so, you know, my challenge this week for you, every week I've given you a challenge. So there was be vocal, there was be generous. Last week was be personal. This week is to go and to be love. And not just like a weird kind of thing. I mean like a genuine love for people. And so one of the, some of the ways you can do this is just by being kind. You know, I believe that, that just, be, just that word kindness, I think it's kind of a lost art. You know, this week we see in, uh, in the news and social media there was a moment where um, the, the, the show host Ellen DeGeneres had posted a picture of her and the former president, George uh, Bush. And there was a lot of, of pushback. And we saw, and she posted a video and basically saying, we don't have to agree on everything to be friends. And yet, all these people are making a big deal about it. And, and her whole point was, is just be kind to everybody. We don't have to agree on everything. And I do agree with her on what she was saying. It's because I believe in our culture, we've lost that ability to not have to agree on everything, to still be gracious and loving and and. and and really aware of how we are interacting with one another. And so we, but even beyond just being kind, we really want to be motivated with a heart of compassion. If you go look throughout the Gospels and you look how Jesus interacted with people, many times you will read where it says he was moved with compassion for the multitudes or he was moved in his heart to heal someone. And you read it over and over and over and you really see it many times that that happened in the life of Jesus. And I believe that it happens in our lives as well But many times we can get so busy just with our life and and doing things that we don't pay attention to our hearts. And, And so, you know, and really when you come down to it all, this whole series really comes back to this idea. Is that really love is the motivation behind everything. 
It ought to be the motivation behind telling people about the gospel, telling people about what God has done in your life. We ought to be motivated by love, not condemnation, not guilt. We need to be motivated, man, that we love people and we want them to come to know God. We want them to to experience the freedom that he would offer us. We want them to find their purpose. Why? Because we believe God created every single human being to make a difference. And so we want to encourage you, man, that we want to be motivated by love every day. And so, you know, everything about Jesus comes back to that simple point, is that he loved and therefore he acted. Well, we ought to love, and, that, and out of that love, out of that love that really stems from being like God, we will begin to act and love those around us. You know, I've been sharing with you a, a statement over the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to share it with you again, is that we've not only been saved from something, but Jesus saved us for something as well. So we've not only been saved from something, we've not only been saved from sin and shame and guilt and condemnation and all those things, we've been saved for something, which is God created you for a purpose to go out and make a difference. Not just in the church, but in your neighborhood, at your workplace, when you're at the grocery store, at the gas station. God has created us to be light that goes out into the world and makes a difference. And so I want to encourage you, never shortchange yourself. You, uh, If I could convince you, you I would is that you were created with purpose and that is to shine the light of Christ everywhere that you go and so I want to encourage you by this 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 morning to this week to go and to be love and I'm going to share some verses with you some scriptures with you this morning that I believe can help you with this but I want to read here in Luke chapter 10 I'm going to read a little passage of scripture here just to give the context but uh, in Luke chapter 10 starting in verse 25 we're going to read through verse 37 It says that one day an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus. So it's really a setup by asking Jesus this question. He said, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responded and says, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? What what do you say that it says? And the man answers and says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And then he goes, and love your neighbor as yourself. So it's two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and and mind. And then he says, and the second is also love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus responds and says, right, do this and you will live. What a powerful statement. Do what? If you will love God and love people, you're going you're gonna to find out what it's like to really experience life. Like, I mean, like this life-giving force that God has put on the inside of us. And it comes by loving people. Putting ourselves in a position to make other people the priority so that we can be like Jesus to those around us. And so the man speaks up again. He wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, because Jesus kind of stumped him with his response. And he says, okay, but who is my neighbor? Like, who are you talking about? Are you talking about the guy next door? You talking about, like, who are we talking about here? And Jesus responds with a story. And this is typically how Jesus interacted with people, is he would always give what we would call a parable, which is just a story is all it is. He would tell a story to illustrate a spiritual truth. And Jesus tells a story. We would call this um, the good the story or the parable of the Good Samaritan. And it says that, and so Jesus is speaking, and he says, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down, 
down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. And it says they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. And they left him half dead beside the road. So I don't really have to paint you a very, uh, I don't have to add much to this. Because I think it's pretty clear. This guy got jumped, robbed, and stripped of his clothes. And they left him for dead. That's what the Bible says. So this guy is in trouble. He he's really is. And it goes on and Jesus continues the story. And he says, by chance, a priest... A pastor would be our common language. Came along. And when he saw the man down the road, the man was lying there. Or he, when he, it says, when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. Now, we may not understand this, but let me put this into some modern... It would be like when we go to Walmart and we see that person that we're like, Oh my gosh, I don't have time to talk to them today. Because they've always got problems, and man, and I don't have time, I'm in a rush, I've got, man, I've got things I've got to do, and, and so I'm just going to slip past the aisle I was going to go down, I'm going to go down this aisle instead, so that I can avoid them real quick. And I'm just going to grab my stuff and get out. But what if that was a divine appointment that God had for you that day? See, that's what this gentleman did, that's what this priest did. He saw the man and avoided him, went out of his way to not have to help him. And then Jesus continues teaching and he says, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. So this man didn't just avoid him. He actually went over and kind of, he at least looked at him, checked on him. He's like, man, is he breathing? And it says, but he also, what, left and passed on the other side. So he could have helped the man. He came and kind of looked at him and said, well, is is he alive at all? And then he decided, man, this guy's not worth my time. He's not worth my time right now. And then it goes on. And it says, then a despised Samaritan came along. Now remember that this man in the ditch is a Jewish man, which we don't necessarily fully always understand the context, but uh, Samaritans were half Jewish people. And the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along. They didn't live in the same cities. As a matter of fact, a Jew would go out of his way to not go through the city of America, Samaria. He would walk around. He would take, he would extend his trip to not even go through their city. So they really didn't get along and yet here's a Jewish man in the ditch and now this Samaritan man comes along and it says when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Something happened in this man's heart that he he not only saw the man, he didn't just try to avoid him, that when he saw him, and I think that we ought to ask God to give us eyes to see people beyond just the surface, but to really see them. Why? Because there, there may be some compassion that would come from the Lord that would rise up in our hearts so that we can actually make a difference. We can, what, go and be the gospel to these people. The word compassion here actually means to feel sympathy for or to, or to have or to be moved by compassion. To be motivated by compassion. You know, I don't believe that we can fix every problem. That's not what I'm asking you to do. What I'm asking you to do is that when you see a need, when you see a moment, when you see something, is check within your heart, check within your spirit, man, and say, God, are you asking me to do something? Is there compassion rising up in my heart to do something? You know, and so the story goes on and it says that this Samaritan man goes over to him and he began to soothe his wounds. He began to bandage him up. He began to put some neosporin on it. He began to do some wraps upon his wounds. He began to put olive oil and wine. He bandaged him. And then the man did something even, maybe even greater. Is he picks this man up and he puts the man on his own donkey. I mean, this would be like putting somebody in, in your car so that you can walk and push the car. 
I mean, think about that. Like, you're going to go help somebody and you're going to put them in your car, but you're going to give up your seat to do that. And that's what this man does. And he takes him to an inn. He takes him to a hotel. He takes him to a place to, to get him a room where he could take care of him. And then, so this guy stays with him. This guy didn't intend to do this, but his day got drastically changed in a moment. He sees a man in need and he's moved by compassion. He goes and he, he binds up all of his wounds. He begins to put medicine and ointment on it. He gives him a ride all the way into a, a place to stay for the night. He stays with this man. And then he goes even further and he says, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins. Now that doesn't mean a lot, but when you study this out, it was actually two days wages. That's a lot of money. Two days wages and he hands it to the keeper of, of the hotel there, of the inn. And he says, take care, of this, take care of this man and if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. I mean, this guy has gone up over and above. You know, we hear the, the phrase about going the extra mile. I think this guy has qualified. He's done more than enough, maybe even more than what was even reasonable in some ways. And yet, he's here to help this man. And Jesus asked this amazing, powerful question. He says, now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to this man who was attacked by the bandits? And the man responds and says, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy, and that word mercy could also be translated as compassion. It means kindness or goodwill. It means that it's not just kindness, but it's kindness joined with a desire to help. See, Jesus said, that, and at the end of this story, Jesus makes a statement. He says to the man, he says, yes, now go and do the same. See, it's not just enough that we just proclaim that we have faith in God. It's not just enough that we're Christians. We are to what? To do something with this salvation that we get to enjoy. We are to, to be motivated by love. You know, uh, over in James chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 14, the apostle writes and he says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say that you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? If you, you know, if you, you say you have faith, you say you believe in God, you say that God has blessed you, but how can I believe that if you don't show it by your actions? He says, what kind of faith, or he says, can that kind of faith save anyone? He says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and good day, stay warm and eat well, good luck. I, I, I'm taken care of, but man, I'm going to pray for you. Yeah, but at what point do we stop praying and do we start doing something to help those around us? Is it really love to just pray for somebody but not do anything if we have the ability to do it? He says, the apostle says, you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good is that then? He goes on, he says, so you see, faith by itself isn't good enough. It's not enough unless it produces good works. See, here's the truth. We weren't saved by our good works. You need to hear this. We are not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. We're not saved by them. I'm not trying to earn anything from God. I have been saved. I've been bought by the blood of Christ. You have been paid for. You can't do anything else to get more saved. But we are saved, that, and out of that, that it would produce good works. It would produce what? Good fruit into our life, out of our life, to affect those around us. And the apostle keeps writing, he says, Now someone may argue, some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? 
I will show you my faith by my good deeds. I will show you my faith. I will show you. I will show you by my actions, by what I do, by how I live this out. And, and so, you know, it's just an important point that we have to understand. It's at some point, I mean, I believe in prayer. I hope you know that. I hope that you know how much I believe in prayer. And we need to pray, and we ought to be a praying people. And I believe that God responds to our prayers. But it is not all up to God. We are now God's representatives on the earth. And if people are going to see God, if they're going to see Jesus, they're going to see it through us. They're going to see him through us. And so we have to act, and we have to live in a way that shows who Jesus is. And so I believe that we have to, that what? Is that it's not just faith and actions. I believe that it's the, the coming together of faith and actions that produces results that I believe honor God. And so I believe that this is so important that we understand this. You know, Jesus taught as well here in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Jesus says, I give you now a new commandment because the Jewish people were used to living by all the law, which there were hundreds and hundreds of laws that they lived by. And yet Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new law. And he says, love each other as much as I have loved you. And it's so powerful. He says, for when you demonstrate, when you show the same love that I have for you by, for, by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my followers. Jesus didn't say that you'd be known by your good works. He didn't say you'd be known by your great faith. He didn't say you'd be known by how great your church was, how big your church was. It didn't say that we would be known by how good looking we were. It didn't say all of these things. It said that we would be known by our love. Is that we are the most like God. We act the most like him when we are being motivated by love. That's who we're called to be. And so Jesus said, look, this is how people are going to know that you're mine is that you are actually living and loving people. Not just tolerating, not just putting up with people. I mean really, really loving people. Living from a place that we're motivated by the love of God in us. The Bible says is that God has what? He's shown the light of his love in our hearts so that we can now go and love other people. See, the truth is if we don't know how much we're loved by God, we're going to have a hard time loving other people. And I think that's one of the reasons why we encourage you, man, you've got to know God, not just about him, not just stories about him, not just hearing messages or reading your Bible. I mean, like, you really got to be in a relationship with him so that you can know how much you're loved. Because when you know how much you're loved, it'll help you love other people even more. In Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9, the apostle gives us some, some uh, encouragement here. And he says, don't just pretend to love others. He says, really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. I love that. Genuine, real, like don't fake it. Don't just fake it till you make it. You might have to fake it a little bit, but you need to be praying saying, God, I need you to change my heart. Give me the compassion that would rise up on the inside of me that I can honestly, genuinely love people. And he says, and take delight in honoring each other. It says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. You know, we don't just serve God at church. We serve God seven days a week, 24 hours a day, every month, every, uh, you know, every year. And we do that. And the Bible says we're to do that enthusiastically. If we're bummed out all the time, it doesn't make the gospel very appealing. But we can live a life 
of enthusiasm. And you're saying what? And, and how do we do that? We have to keep our focus on what has been done for us. Never lose sight of where God has found you, but also where God is taking you to. Man, and that will stir you up. And it says that we are to rejoice in our confident hope. It says be patient in trouble and keep on praying. Even God's people or when God's people are in need, be ready to help them and always be eager to practice hospitality. Be eager, be eager to what? Open up your home, be in a group, get involved in a small group, invite, you know, we'll have a, another semester coming up. Maybe you've never opened your home and, you, and the Bible says, look, what? Always be eager, be, be ready to what? To practice hospitality. And what is that? Simply hospitality is knowing how to love people. That's what it is. And so you may say, man, I don't know that I could lead a group, but man, I could open up my home for somebody to use. That may be part of how you serve the Lord. And man, and you create an atmosphere for people to come in and be loved and make connections, meaningful connections. And the Bible says that we are to do this. You know, one of the things about this that, because I know that even in a practical sense, sometimes we can struggle with, man, I just don't know how to love people. I think one of the things that you can do is begin to pray and ask God to give you that heart of compassion. And a number of years ago, I, was, I began uh, using this phrase. I think it was actually a lyric in a song, but it really just stuck with me. And I, it just became part of my prayer that I begin to ask the Lord to do in my life. And so my prayer was this, is God, break my heart for what breaks your heart. God, let me be moved by what moves you. Like, don't let me just walk by a need that you really would do something about. You know, we see that in the Gospels where, where there would be crowds of people and it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. And he would say, man, these people have no food. And, and he would look at the disciples and say, hey, we got to feed them. And their response was, they, they didn't even really see the need, honestly. All they saw was all these people and all that was going on. And Jesus said, we have to feed them. Why? Because he was motivated by love. But the truth is, is that they didn't have the same heart that Jesus did yet. And my question for you, one of my questions for you would be this, is, is your heart moved for the things that move God's heart? Does your heart break for the things that break God's heart? Because we're called, man, you have been placed here to make a difference. And you may need to ask God, Lord, give me that compassion. Let me be motivated by, by really your compassion. You know, over the last number of weeks, I've been sharing with you this, this, this statement, and, and I believe that it's so true. Is that, and we've said it many times for many years, is that the local church is the hope of the world. And while I believe that that can be true, I believe that, it, that they really left out one word that makes all the difference. It's just because the church, just the building itself, the gathering together in one room all together, is not the hope of the world. Jesus himself did not just hang out in the temple. Jesus, the Bible says, went out where the people were. He went out. And so the, I believe that the local church mobilized, the mobile church being active is the hope of the world. And so as we go into our neighborhood, as we go to the grocery store, as we're going into these different places, as we're at the ball field with our kids' games and all those types of things, everywhere that we go, we are the church. The church is not the building. This building that I'm standing in right now, it's just a building. It's just, it's construction. But it becomes the church when we as the body gather together. 
And something powerful begins to happen because we are the church. Not just the building, not just the facility, not just the premises. No, we, the people, are the church. And that's why I've been challenging you to go and to be the gospel. Because we can be the church. We can be the hands and the feet and the voice and the arms that would hug people and love on them and pray for them. Why? Because, man, there's something powerful that happens that when believers begin to really actually act on the word of God and to see what God would do when we just simply take him at his word and we simply do what he's asked us to do. Man, I believe that our city can change. I believe our neighborhoods can change. I believe our families can change when we just simply do and be who the God or who the Bible and who God has called us to be. And so this week, man, I'm challenging you to go and to be loved, to be compassion, to be kind. Show kindness to somebody this week. Be, be motivated from that heart uh, of, of compassion. And so I want to give you, each week I've given you a couple of just practical things, uh, practical ways to do this. And you know, I mentioned this earlier uh, about this. So, but one of the things you could do is just invite somebody into your home. Just be gracious. Be kind to them. Serve them dinner. I mean, like make it look like when they come that you were expecting them. You know what I'm saying? Like don't let them show up and be like, oh man, I forgot you were coming today. Like clean up a little bit. Like make the, have a nice meal prepared for them. And, and, and treat them like even better than your own family. Why? Because you, you want to love them and you just want to impart some life unto them. Be the gospel to them. You may help a neighbor in need. It might just be, you know, that you mow your neighbor's grass. I've done that before where I'm mowing my grass and I'm, I'm looking over at my neighbor and I'm like, man, his grass is kind of high and I just don't stop. I just kept going. I just mowed his grass for him. And later on he asked me, he said, oh, man, I appreciate you mowing, but why'd you do that? And I said, oh, I just wanted to be a blessing. You know, it didn't take me 15, 20 minutes. But yet to that man, it spoke to him. You know, you may have an elderly neighbor, somebody who needs help. Maybe there's projects around the house. Maybe there's just things that you could do to be a blessing to them. Look for opportunities to go that extra mile like the Good Samaritan. Look for those moments and those opportunities where you can go beyond what's just expected and make sure you tell them why. Man, I'm just motivated. I'm just, I'm so thankful for what God has done in my life. And I just wanted to, to extend that love that he's extended to me, to you. And just let people know that they're loved. You know, I said this earlier, but it's not just about tolerating people. And I think this is a real heart check for us. Is that we can just get into the, well, I'm just trying to make it. Like, I'm just going to listen to this person. I'm just going to make it through the conversation. Like, just, let's just get past it. No, don't just tolerate people. Really love them. Look for God's best in them. You may even have to ask the Lord to help you with this. And say, Lord, give me eyes like you so I can see what you have in them. Who you've called them to be. The gifts and the callings. Those desires. God, let me see them the way that you see them so that I can love them the way that you see them. See, I believe, and as we're wrapping up this series, I want to leave you with this thought. Let's go and let's be the church. Let's not just talk about the church. Let's not just be posting stuff on social media. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But man, let's go be the church. Let's put our hands on people. Let's love people. Let's hug people. Let them know that God loves them because we love them. And many times people won't know that. They won't, many times people struggle with that. Is that, man, God doesn't want anything from them other than he just wants to love on them. 
And if we can love them and they'll see that we actually love them, I believe that it makes a huge impact and it makes a, a massive statement into their life. And so that as we go and we, and we become and we act like the church is supposed to, that not only do we get to love people, but people will ultimately, I believe, open up their heart to be loved by God. And it's such an amazing thing that we get to be a part of, that God invites us to be a part of his story. So I want to pray over you this morning as we uh, wrap up this series today. Man, I hope that you've been challenged by it. I hope the Lord has stirred some things up in you. But just know, this is not the end, but we are to live this out. Amen.